0: Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 103 verses 6 through 14. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made he remembers that we are dust this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God thank you Addie good morning everybody my name is David Bruner I'm one of the pastors here it's a pleasure to be with you today Uh, may I just say we have some feelings about cleaning off the dishes and putting them in the dishwasher (laughs) when you're done um, you know, as a minister, it's good to avoid hot topics, controversial ones, so I'm just going to note that, okay? <laughs> Noted. As some of you may know, we're starting a new sermon series today called Kingdom Prayer. We are focusing on the Lord's Prayer, the prayer Jesus taught his disciples, and we're digging into the insights it offers for living in his kingdom um, and how to follow him today. So before I dig into our part of the Lord's Prayer for this week, I'm going to read some scripture, and before I do that, let's pray together. Good and gracious God, our Father in heaven, thank you for this time. We pray, God, that as we hear your holy word today, you would help its message come alive for us, help us to understand it, to take it to heart, and to live it out in our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus, the living word, amen. Our reading for today comes from the 8th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, beginning with verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit... Bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if we in fact suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. How do we pray? How do we pray? It's a simple question with a uh, complicated answer. Prayer can be so challenging, even if you've been a Christian all your life. I've known many Christians who feel inadequate when they sit down to pray. They come before God and they don't quite know what to say, they don't know how to say it. The good news, if you feel that way, is that you're not alone. In Luke's gospel, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. They ask him the same question that we sometimes ask. How do we do this? What does it look like to pray well? And in response, Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer. Down through the centuries, Christians wanting to learn how to pray have found this Lord's Prayer to be their best teacher. It is a model for our own praying, a guide to help us pray according to Jesus' own priorities. What is the purpose of prayer? For many people, prayer is a way of getting what we want from God. Prayer is the time we read off our laundry list of what we'd like God to do for us or like God to give to us. And certainly the Bible encourages us to ask God for what we need. But the more I pray the Lord's Prayer, the more I'm convinced that the primary purpose of prayer is not simply getting what we want or what we think we want. At its core, prayer is communication with God. In prayer, we come into the presence of God. Not to change God, but to let God change us. The purpose of prayer is to let God change us. Change the things we think about, the things we want, the ways we act, the ways we behave. In prayer, we get a clearer understanding of God's heart and mind. And we discover more about God's priorities and concerns. And that shapes us. That's what the Lord's Prayer does. Jesus gave it to us to teach us what to pray about, what to ask God for, and as we pray this prayer, the Our Father prayer, one so many of us know by heart, as we pray it, we will find it reshaping our own prayer life, bending our hearts and minds toward what God wants. So, During this season of Lent, each week we're going to take a phrase from this model prayer and think about its meaning and how it might inform our own faith lives, our own praying. So today we're going to begin at the very beginning with some of the best-known words in the whole Christian faith, our Father, who art in heaven. What can this teach us about how to pray? So as many of you know, I'm a forgetful person and this produces all kinds of amusing situations. I've shared them with you before. Um, One thing that I've learned is that I'm more prone to forget things when I'm distracted. It's probably the same for many of you. More prone to forget things when I'm distracted. So if you see me on a Sunday, and this is very common, someone will come up to me on a Sunday and they'll say, oh Dave, I I wanted to share with you, someone's having a hard time, would you please reach out to them? Or they'll say, hey Dave, I've been thinking about it, could you do this thing, Can can we talk about that? I'm always gonna say the same thing, what do I say? Send me an email, send me an email. Why is that? Well, on Sunday, I am distracted. I'm running here and there. I'm trying to make sure I take care of all my pastoral obligations to you as the church. I'm trying to make sure my kids don't clock someone when they're making a beeline for the donuts. I'm distracted. So it helps me to remember to have you write it down. Now, the other situation that I experience the dangers of distraction and forgetfulness is when I'm on the phone. Has this ever happened to you? You are calling someone on the phone, it's ringing, and then your kids come running into the room and they say, Dad, and they need your attention with something, and you deal with it, and then the person on the other line says, hello, and you go blank. <laughs> Have you ever done that? I, sometimes I'll say, uh, yes, who is this? <laughs> and why am I calling you? It's very embarrassing. Now, This can happen in our praying. This can happen in our praying. We get so distracted that it's easy to forget who we're talking to. When we pray, many of us, and I do this all the time myself, many of us rush in with a list of our problems and our needs and our anxieties. And what's the result of that kind of praying? What's the focus? It's on ourselves. Our attention is locked in on what we lack, on what we don't have. Maybe that's the reason our prayers leave us feeling more frustrated or anxious than when we started. Most of the time, we're focused on what's bothering us. Jesus, in this prayer, shows us another way. Instead of beginning with ourselves, we begin with God. We begin by deliberately remembering the one to whom we are praying. At the very start of his prayer, Jesus urges us to take a long, reassuring look at God. At his goodness and greatness, his untiring love and his unlimited power. Jesus wants us to start by remembering the one to whom we pray and remembering that he is our father. Now, the idea of God as father was not new to those who would have heard Jesus. It's found at various places in the Old Testament. We heard it in that reading from Psalm 103 that Addie read for us so well. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. What was very new about Jesus' teaching on prayer was the word he used for God as our Father, the word Abba. The very first words a Jewish child learns to speak are Abba and Imma, Papa and Mama. No other Jewish teacher of his day and age addressed God with that kind of intimacy, with that kind of personal connection. And Jesus invites us to do that, to call on God as our Abba with the confidence and trust of children, knowing that God welcomes us and loves us to come to him. That's how Jesus wants us to begin prayer. One of my favorite days of the week is Saturday. It's the only day of the week that Beck and I typically don't come into church in the morning and uh, the kids don't go to school. Now, my other favorite day of the week is Monday when Beck and I don't come to work and the kids do go to school, but that's a different story, okay? Saturday is a great day. And it usually begins, I'm usually up fairly early, I have some quiet time, and I always sit on my couch, I have a cup of coffee, maybe I'll read a book, maybe I'll pray, and the dog is sitting there right in my lap, he's in his happy place. And usually at some point in the morning, Meg, our five-year-old, will come down first. She always wakes up first. She comes down, she comes right up to me, and she says, Dad, I wanna snuggle with you. In much the same tone of voice that you would say, I would like the chicken, right? It's not. It's not a request. <laughs> and what do I do? Do I, do I say, oh no, I can't do that? You, no, absolutely not. I put down my cup of coffee, I shove the dog out of my lap and snuggle time begins. And we have a fantastic 40 minutes just hanging out together. Now think about that experience. I bet you've had something similar. Think about the affection and connection and safety and happiness you might feel in that moment. Some of you have a complicated relationship with your earthly father. Maybe the person you're thinking of right now is not your earthly father. That's okay. You can think of another relative or friend, someone who loves you. That's what Jesus says we're supposed to think of. That's what Jesus says we're supposed to take to heart when we say our father. God is like that. God is not an angry judge ready to pass sentence. God is not a relentless critic ready to find fault. God is not a distant relative calling once a year to wish you happy birthday. God is a loving father. He is an Abba. I think sometimes we miss what a provocative claim Jesus was making by teaching us to call on God in this way. It's really quite astonishing if you think about it. Jesus, of course, had every right to call God Father since he was, you know, God. He was God's only son, and before he took on flesh, he existed in an eternal relationship of unending communion with his Father. You and I are not quite like that. When you and I call God Father, something very different is happening. What's up with that? Sometimes people will say, we're all children of God. We're all children of God. And I agree with the sentiment behind that idea that God's created all of us, that God loves all of us, that we all have dignity and value and worth. I certainly think that's true. Strictly speaking, though, we are not all children of God. Consider what it says in John's Gospel. To all who received him, to all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. We aren't born children of God. We become children of God when we come to faith in Jesus. And that's why Jesus invites us to call God Father. He's inviting us to do so in his name. C.S. Lewis once said that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're dressing up as Jesus. (laughs) We're pretending to be Jesus. And that's exactly right. Jesus invites us to put our faith in him and through him, address God with the same intimacy and boldness that he has which is pretty amazing. I remember in high school, one of my best friends was this guy, Sean. And uh, Sean and I spent a lot of time together. He was over at my house a lot. I was over at his house a lot. And uh, once we came over to my house, and I came in, I hadn't seen my mom in a while, and I said, hey mom, how are you? And I gave her a hug. And Sean, without missing a beat, looked at my mother and said, hey mom, how are you? And he gave her a hug. And she was delighted, right? Something about my relationship with Sean changed his relationship with my mom. I hope you can see how there's something similar going on here. Paul says basically the same thing in the passage from Romans I read for you a minute ago. I love when he says, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. Woo! Think about that. Paul says that the spirit Christians have, the Holy Spirit, is a spirit of adoption. When we call God our Father, it's like we're being adopted into God's family. And adoption is when someone who's not part of a family biologically nevertheless becomes part of that family in truth and in law and in name. It's a very powerful experience. Some of you know my sister and brother-in-law have adopted a beautiful little girl who's African-American. And when we hang out as a family, it's pretty obvious she's not related to us biologically. But is she a member of our family? You bet she is. And we love her and are committed to her. The same is true of any person who comes to faith. And that's why Paul says, the spirit cries out within us, Abba, Father. The spirit is at work within us when we believe to say, yes, I belong to God. Yes, I am a child of God. Yes, I have an Abba who loves me. So when we say our father, we are reminding ourselves of God's character. We are certainly doing that. We are also reminding ourselves of how God sees us. We're trying to see ourselves the way God sees us. We're reminding ourselves of who we are in the light of God. Whatever problems we have, we have been adopted by God. We have been made part of his family. We have the Holy Spirit within us crying out, Abba, Father. Every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, every time you say those two words, our Father, you affirm that truth, you call it to mind. I think that's pretty special. At our previous church, Becca and I were privileged to work with a wonderful Presbyterian pastor, a guy named Jeff Conway. Our daughter, Margaret Conway Bruner, is named after him. And one of his favorite things to do when people were going through a hard time was to ask them a question. He would say, who are you? And we'd often ask it point blank, kind of out of nowhere. And it often threw people off. And that was part of the reason he did it. He got a chuckle out of confusing people. And I remember the first time he did it to me, he said, who are you? And I went, "Uh, Dave, and he, he laughed. The answer he was always looking for was very particular. He wanted to hear you say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. That simple fact has such a powerful way of reframing what we go through in life. You may be in the hospital, you're a child of God. You may be getting a divorce, but you're a child of God. You may be unemployed, but you're a child of God. Nothing that can happen to you will change that wonderful fact. Every time you say our Father, stop and remember that about yourself. So when we pray, begin with God. Begin by celebrating his character, his goodness, his faithfulness, and his tender love for you. But remember too, that you are his child, that he has given you his spirit, crying out, Father, within you. If you begin by remembering those two things, you won't go too far wrong. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, Please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K N O X P R E S.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.